Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Problematic, the podcast. Um, I am slapping together this episode because I've been meaning to get it out for days and days and days and days. I waited. It is now almost 9 p.m. I have to get it out today or I will die. So I'm not adding music or anything interesting. And this is going to be a quick intro to let you know what you are in for. This is going to be a very fun episode. Maybe actually it's going to be a very polarizing episode as usual, but it also is a story that I think is very captivating. It is one of the first stories, if not the first um, Jesus testimony that I heard back in the fall that made me start doing like rabid research and listening to tons of other similar stories um, and reflecting on my own. This is Kara Mosier's story. Kara was a psychic medium, among other things, um, before she be- like radically had a conversion, um, even more radically than mine, because she just like she just knew I had like tons of resistance, but she had this like crazy experience, and then she fell into a kind of culty. Christian group um, in the very beginning of her um, her conversion. So um, she there are lots of twists and turns in this uh, in this story, but I think it's a wonderful story, um, and I hope you enjoy it. And I think that's all I want to say. Like I, I I'm always tempted to give all these disclaimers because I know how you know I know how polarizing this content is. I know like not all of my audience is on board with this um i know that and it's i and again it's really not gonna this is not gonna be the only thing i post about the next person that i'm gonna be releasing a conversation with is isabella malbin and we're talking about transgenderism and women's rights and her work with whose body is it um it's a that's also a really great conversation so if the uh christian content that i have started putting out is not your thing uh please stick around but also this is a really interesting story just no matter what so i hope you'll begin um i hope you'll give it a chance um and yes thank you for listening and i will be back at some point i cannot promise you when all righty enjoy I think it really I should start by saying I grew up um, in a family that never talked about God, never talked about Jesus. I never went to church. I literally thought that Jesus was a fictitious person like that had never existed, that the Bible was just like the Odyssey or any mythological book, just tall tales. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Tall tales and a, a long game of telephone, I like to say, though I had never read it, never even opened it. Um, have a degree in literary interpretation and avoided every single course that would have been me studying the Bible. There were some avoided religion courses. I had, I went to church a couple times with friends growing up uh, just because I stayed the night at their house for a sleepover. And I was just like, whoa, this is weird. Everybody's listening to this person speak behind the pulpit and it's you're doing this wrong and it didn't feel right. And so I just like didn't really know who God was and, you know, but I wasn't a non I wasn't like an atheist or anything. I believed in something more. Um, but I wanted to know what that was. So I was kind of always searching for something, but I didn't really know what I was searching for. And 
like most of us, I'd say all of us, I experienced trauma in my life and I ended up having my first suicide ideation when I was 16, which suicide ideation is when you don't want to be alive. You don't have a plan to kill yourself, but you don't want to be alive. Um, it's kind of the first step that leads you to, to wanting to be suicidal. And I had anxiety issues and then started having depression and anger issues. It all kind of started escalating. And eventually in my early 20s, I had like a mental breakdown and um, checked myself into rehab. I was doing, you know, I'd, I'd been smoking pot and doing psychedelics, um, drinking, binge drinking, things like that. You needed to have a drug problem to get into rehab. So I, I fit in, even though I didn't think I had a drug problem at all. I just was literally going like lost my mind. I had a panic attack. And um, really what happened is I'm like, I'm like 24, 21. How old was I went to rehab? Like 24 years old in my room, probably smoked some heavy weed. Um, and suddenly was like, oh, my God, I'm going to die one day. Oh, my God, I'm going to die one day. Oh, my God, I'm alive. It was weird. It was like I had this like existential moment and I pan had my first panic attack. And if you've had a panic attack, like it feels like your heart is just like going to explode you you literally feel like you're dying and i so what happened was it ne never went away um long story short i ended up checking myself into rehab and uh left rehab with my first diagnosis which was severe depression and started on some pharmaceutical medicines i had always been really anti-medicines um i just don't know why i just was like i don't want to take these i i didn't want them um i didn't believe in antidepressants or anything but here i was now trying them. And so I got out of uh, rehab and just kind of like got back into my life slowly. After about six months, I put this in my book, like I gave up on pills from the doctor and decided it was easier to take psychedelics and <laughs> go searching for God again um, in the spirit world like I was comfortable doing because I, like I said, I always knew there was something more in this world. I just didn't know what it was and I wanted answers. So I went, I thought I would get them in the psychedelic realm. I loved taking mushrooms. They really came into my life in my 20s. And I um, just kind of got deeper down that path. And then by the time I was 29, uh, my boyfriend at the time broke up with me. And I literally was like, well, I'm going to kill myself. And <laughs> I, I just was like, OK, well, I'm not I'm, like because my mental issues never kind of went away. They were sort of like always up and down and they were starting to get a lot worse. And ironically, not ironically, I was doing a lot of psychedelics around that time. I had, you know, finishing up my memoir, I'm looking back at stuff and seeing sort of what led to the other thing. Yeah. Um, and so well, when I'm he curious, yeah. I'm sorry, I don't want to interrupt you, but I am curious what your thoughts are <laughs> on how they are talking so much these days about how psychedelics, specifically mushrooms, but other things too, will heal your brain and will heal your depression and will... Like I got for like a good six months to a year, I was like, wow, this is going to, if I can go down this path, this is going to take away all my anxiety. Like this is what they're saying, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you'll feel good for a while afterwards. I always felt good after doing psych. I never had a bad trip. People like when I started speaking out against psychedelics, like last year, a little people are like, sorry, you had bad trips. I'm like, no, I didn't have any bad trips. Actually. I loved it. I, I had more fun there than here. But I think as I, your question will get answered as I continue. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, I will. Great. I will make sure. Yep. Um, so I was my boyfriend when I was 29 broke up with me. I was like, I'm going to kill myself. Um, ended up checking myself in the psych ward. And 
being checked into the psych ward with literally within 10 seconds of coming in there suicidal. I sat, they sat me down in front of a psychiatrist and she looked at me and said, Oh, you're bipolar. 10 seconds after seeing me. And I was like, Oh, okay, sure. I was just like, that must be what's wrong with me. Cause there's something wrong with me. And you know, like I'd been kind of trying to figure it out the last 10 years. Um, and I said, okay. And she's like, we're going to start you on Depakote. And you, when you get checked in the psych ward, like you have to be there for 24 hours. I wanted to leave right away. I told her I was fine. In fact, she's like, you're not fine. You're suicidal right now. And now you're telling me you're fine. No, you're bipolar. This is called mixed mania. And so I, they checked me in. I started my pills, my hardcore pills that I got on that. So what happened was I was so miserable, so worried I was going to kill myself like at that time in my life because I got all the details are in the book, but like I, I I got out of the psych ward as fast as I could. I pretended I was better. I'm very, you know, I was pretty good at playing pretend at this point in my life just to get through life, you know. Um, and as I but once I left, I was I was miserable and I started doing therapy. Um, I literally was in therapy five days a week when I left the psych ward. I was in group three days a week, dialectal behavioral therapy, though I don't even remember taking it. And then I was seeing my therapist um, two days a week and. Basically, long story short, fast forward eight years, five psychiatrists confirmed I was bipolar. It's very hard to lose a diagnosis once you get it. But what they did over those eight years, I went from one pill, all of a sudden I'm on 20 pills a day. And I'm not better. I'm no better than I was when I was worse. So eight years after being diagnosed bipolar, 20 pills a day, gained 80 pounds. Physically, I'm really sick. I'd given up on life like I was depressed. I like didn't want to go out in public anymore. I didn't want to be around people. I dropped my dreams and passions like I the the pills put me to sleep and I'm in front of but my still had anger problems. I still had suicide ideations. I Nothing had gotten better. So eight years later, I'm in front of my psychiatrist and I'm like, yeah, so I'm not doing any better. Having a lot of anger issues right now. Can What else can you put me on? Because that's what you do. You get on another pill. If you're bipolar, it's a mood disorder it's treated with pills um there's no cure they tell you you have a chemical imbalance and it can never be fixed so i was chained to my pills and my psychiatric appointments every three months for the rest of my life to never get better to always be broken to always have something wrong with me to always be the crazy one it was my excuse for everything that went wrong in my life for giving up i'm bipolar for a decade i practically believe that so I'm in front of my psychiatrist. I tell him, what else can I take? And he looks at me and he says, there's nothing more we can give you. You are maxed. Out. I'm going to cry. Like you are maxed out on pills. I will never forget him saying that because I thought, what? I, what am I going to do? Like I'm in therapy still. I follow all the rules. I never stopped taking my pills. I was a very good bipolar patient. Most people who are bipolar stop taking their pills. And so he said, we're going to send you to this place called the Mood Clinic, which is through the University of Texas. I live in Austin, and it's created to get people who are bipolar down to the lowest dose of medication possible. I just want to mention something to the listener. You're going to hear me cry a lot. You're going to hear me be emotional. That's how I am naturally. This is how God made me, and I'm sensitive, and I see it as a gift now. This is probably a big part of how I was given that bipolar diagnosis, too. But there's nothing wrong with me, as I came to find out. I went to this Mood Clinic, and four hours of interviews with two psychiatrists, I was told, you do not, you're not bipolar. You do not have the mania 
for this diagnosis. I wasn't sexually promiscuous. I didn't think I was God. I didn't have grand delusions. I didn't stay up for weeks on an end. I didn't spend my money on frivolous. I didn't have any mm. like mania besides hyperverbial speech and being like colorful. Right. But I talk your fast personality. Sometimes. They were it's like my your person. <laughs> yes. Wow. So wow. I, I mean, I, I used to like hold my laugh and I have a loud laugh. Some people on my podcast like it, but these are the things that like, and like, you know, I have this, I also had this like ultra sensitivity when I would go in the spirit world on psychedelics as well, which we'll get into here in a little bit. Um, so I, so I came back to my psychiatrist and I was like, guess what? I'm not bipolar. He's like, yeah, I know. How quickly do you want to get off your pills? This was August, 2019. I had just been on 20 pills a day for a couple of years. And I mean, it worked up to that, but I had been bipolar and broken for eight years, my thirties my thirties. Big pharma took my thirties. I took 30,000 pills. I never needed. I did the math. I paid about it. My insurance paid out about an estimated half a million dollars to big pharma for a misdiagnosis. Okay. They said you have borderline personality disorder. This is a personality disorder. It's the same uh, symptoms as bipolar, but it's curable and it's curable with a skills-based therapy called dialectical behavioral therapy, which I had taken when I first got out of the psych ward. But like I said, I'd forgotten. So I immediately signed up for dialectal behavioral therapy. I did an outpatient program in three months, or I'd go for four days a week for five hours. I was very serious about getting better. My whole life, all I wanted was to get better. I didn't like feeling broken and sick and depressed and suicidal. Like that, that you know. So I got into the program, started titrating off my pills, finished dialectal behavioral therapy, started seeing great results. It's one third mindfulness, one third interpersonal effectiveness skills and one-third emotional regulation. What that means is mindfulness isn't to be scared of. It's about being in the moment and being aware of what's going on in your surroundings. And then emotional regulation is understanding, oh, I'm angry. This is how it feels to be angry. So what's a skill I can use instead? I'm aware of it. I'm mindful. Now, what can I do instead? Can I go for a walk? Can I count um, backwards from seven, from 100, 93, Seven, uh, 86, 79, like, um, let me, okay, I'm in this room, I'm overwhelmed, but have, there's a skill that I can look around me and just ground myself in this room. Then there was interpersonal effectiveness skills, how to work with other people, get your needs met. These are things that honestly, we should have learned in school. Instead of getting indoctrinated and pro mind programmed to be cogs in the machine, I mean, school is the longest unpaid job we'll ever have. 40 hours a week, five days a week, you're like 10 years old. I mean, come on, unpaid labor. Anyway, um, for real. Uh, and so I, uh, I did the dialectal behavioral therapy, titrated off my pills over 10 months. I took 10, I want to say that to everybody. I took 10 months to get off my pills. I didn't joke around about this. And I did it with the help of my psychiatrist. I, so you don't often hear somebody get the blessing of farm, big pharma to, that you've been misdiagnosed or mistakes been made, right. but that's what happened with right. me. <laughs> and so then let's fast forward to 2020. So what, what year was that? Sorry. That was 2019. Okay. Um, August 2019, I started getting off my pills. So by 2020, when COVID's hitting, just to let everybody know, I was a hardcore liberal. Like I, I was so sad in 2016 when Trump won. Like I literally fell into a depression, unfriended all my Trump friends, um, kicked people out of my house if they talked about Trump. I literally left social media, cl cleaned out all my accounts, left. I had, a, I had like a personal account, Instagram deleted it. I was like, I'm done with this. I can't see any of this stuff. I was furious. I was with her. I was with Hillary. 
And I hated Trump. He was public enemy number one. So anyways, COVID hits 2020 and I'm an NPR on the news, world news kind of gal. So I knew what was going on in Wuhan in January. I was on Amazon looking for gas masks when long before anybody was thinking about this. So uh, March 2020, I'm starting to get off my I'm, I'm like midway off my pills. I'm starting to kind of wake up because you get off pills. It doesn't mean you're going to feel better because I had a misdiagnosis. I still had an anger problem I was dealing with. I still had sadness and anxiety. I just wasn't numbing myself with pills that didn't do anything. I was actually like working on changing my life and honestly, like feeling like I was reprogramming my mind with this dialectical behavioral therapy to learn new patterns and skills to help me rather than just go to pills. But anyways, COVID's happening. I'm so scared, girl. Scaredest person that I knew. I'm going to the pharmacy with rubber kitchen gloves up to my elbows with a trench coat on, sunglasses and double masked in March. Okay? And it's embarrassing now. I, I look back. wish I, was... I could see a picture. So bad. I have pictures. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I have pictures. Okay, And good. so I was screaming at people that got too close to me. You're going to infect me with COVID. I was like, my boyfriend's friends would come to the house and I was like, yeah, you guys need to be outside and stand 20 feet apart. And I, like, I have had to apologize to people. I was insane. I totally get, I mean, I was literally like saying stuff to my friends, like I, I'm going to find that vaccine on the black market early and I'm going to be the first one to take it. And that's where I was at March. 20th. Why do you th- like, why do you think you were that hardcore about it? Because I know a lot of liberals who were serious about it and they were nervous and they were cautious and they were, you know, overboard cautious. Why do you think you went to that extreme with it? Cause I'm an extremist. Mm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I'm often too much for people real quick in conversation. Um, you might be standing next to me in line at the grocery store and your life's totally different afterwards. Like, Oh God, who is that? Uh, you know? So I, uh, yeah, I'm an extremist. And so yeah. Uh, colorful Kara. Um, then did I tell you curiosity killed the carrot, the cat, the cat, the Kara. Anyways, um, <laughs> we're both literary. So I, I just have to tell you my, like my literary jokes. Okay. You have, but, you have sent that to me before. I'm I know, I know, I know I had to do it again. Um, it didn't hit as well the second time, but it's a visual <laughs> thing. Anyways, so yeah, I was just, I'm an extremist. Okay. So, and uh, yeah, like I'm, because I'm very sensitive. I'm, and I, so I could feel the fear in this world. I, mm. you know, I was worried that I, and I have, I, you know, I've coughed a few times in the interview. I've had, like, my lungs are kind of a sensitive area for me. I've had, honestly, I've had bronchitis probably 30 times in my life. It, it's mm-hmm. crazy like mm-hmm. it's just what i'm susceptible to and so i started telling people i had a pre-existing condition even though right. i didn't <laughs> just to like explain why you were like i can't yeah i was I like i have a, my i was like i get bronchitis easy i have a pre-existing condition it was just like i was just right. ridiculous i mean look if you have lung stuff i get like i get i didn't want covid you know i thought yeah it was, i i flipped pretty quickly with covid but in the beginning i and even it lingered. I was like, well, I don't want to get it. Like, I don't yeah. want, you know? Yeah. No, but I, no, I totally, get, I get, I get that. I do. But something happened because I'm getting off my pills and I'm waking up. And by May, 2020, I'm doing this skills-based therapy. I'm doing the second round of it that year. I, I graduated from it. And I, I was just like, 
um, do you do it again? They say in about a year, you can basically lose that borderline personality disorder diagnosis, which is amazing. But you have to want to change. Mm-hmm. But it is possible. Like I started. So I, I was like learning about mind programming in a weird way, like in a therapeutic kind of way that yeah. it was real. And um, yeah, it's interesting, Kara. So it's very interesting. It's very interesting. Because also I had a therapist that I'd been seeing for the last eight years who was amazing, um, who was also studied neurology. And she told me she taught me about myelin sheath, which is the protein lining that coats um, the neuro neuro pathways in our brain. You know, what I'm talking about mm-hmm. So every time you have a thought that myelin sheath builds up on those pathways. And the more you have a thought, the more protein this myelin sheath will build up and the more likely you are to have that thought. Mm. We are literally like machines in our mind, the way it works. So if you want to stop thinking about something and stop obsessing, you got to start thinking about something else so that that myelin sheath dies out and you build up new pathways. Anyway, so I'm waking up in the um, spring 2020. I'm almost I'm off all of my mood stabilizers by which are like the hardcore pills. Um, and all I had left was to get off my antidepressant. But I had started. This is important. May 2020. I was working on skills and a skill to, that I was working on was doing a loving kindness meditation. And anybody who doesn't know what that is, loving kindness meditation is when you think of somebody and you wish them happiness, success, joy, peace, to be free from suffering. And then you also wish those things upon yourself. And if you can wish it on your biggest enemy, then it's going to give be like even bigger expansion for you. So selfishly, I was like, I want all the loving kindness I can give myself. And so I'm going to love, give loving kindness to an enemy um, and do this for a month. And for me, public enemy number one at the time was Donald Trump because I hated him more than anybody. Still, it was four years since 2016. And I still hated the guy I was making memes about him like a, as a Cheeto head and stuff. So I started wishing Donald, you know, I would wish myself my love, happiness, success, joy, all that. And then I would go to Donald and I'd picture his putrid Cheeto head, blonde hair on an 80 year old man um, screaming, grab him by the pussy. And I'd say, I wish you love Donald, be happy and successful. And so I started doing that every day. And after a couple of weeks of doing it, this thought came in my head. Why do I even want Donald to be successful? Why do I want him to be happy? And it was like I heard another voice that was like, because you want everyone to be happy and he's the president. So if he's doing right, and he's successful, that will be good for everyone. And I just basically what happened was I I was like, oh, my gosh, I sh- he's not as bad as I thought. So I started looking into him and I was like, what does he mean when he says fake news? I, so I switched the channel and I watched Fox News for the first time. And I was like, whoa, they like Donald. And then I put another channel on and I'm like, what? Donald's doing work in the Middle East right now. And then I look over here and I look at other people, what they think of him. He's breaking Sex trafficking rings? Wait, the guy's doing some good stuff? How come I didn't know about this? So then I go to Instagram and I start looking for female Trump supporters because I was like, okay, I, I I can't. I can understand how maybe politically you align with the guy, but how can women support this guy? Grab him by the pussy Trump, right? Women can't support him. Well, plenty of women did. I found these very nice, look like Christian women with red bag of hats and save the children hashtags. They all had save the children hashtags. And the Trump supporters, Christian women, save the children hashtag. And I was like, what is this save the children hashtag? Like, why do the children need saving? I was like, what's what is this? So I started going into the rabbit hole and I found out very quickly why the children needed saving. And what happened was that is literally Donald love, like loving Donald literally brought me to save the children, which was my slipping into the rabbit hole. June 2020. 
Now back to titrating off my pills and where I, what was going on with me, I was down to my antidepressant. So I got off my antidepressant and I started having brain zaps. Very common side effect coming mm-hmm. off antidepressants. It's awful. Makes you want to get right back on the antidepressant because it's miserable. You can't even think. And then I got suicide ideation. And that is also a side effect for coming off of antidepressants. But it was very discouraging for me because I had been doing so good getting off my pills, learning these new skills, I'm waking up, I'm coming back to life. And then all of a sudden, I'm it's like 20 steps backwards. I'm suicidal again. And I'm, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, do I maybe I need the pills? <clears throat> Excuse me. So what happened on June um, 11th, 2020, is I tried killing myself. I um, yeah, and I had never actually tried killing myself before. I had always I'd had thousands of suicide ideation, but never attempted suicide. So this was like a really low moment for me. And so what did I do? I booked a fancy hotel room in town in Austin and I t- grabbed two grams of mushrooms and I checked into a hotel. And I was like, I'm going to go to the spirit world because that's what I did. That's where I went to be with God. At least I thought I was with God. Um, and I, before I did my trip, I wrote a letter to God and I said, dear God, um, I don't know what to live for anymore. I don't have anything I want. There's no success I want. There's nothing I want. You can have my vessel and use me. Like I was basically just like, dear God, take me. I don't want, you kept me alive today. I didn't kill myself. I don't know why it didn't work, but I'm still here. And so I, I wrote the letter and I took two grams of penis envy mushrooms, the philosopher's stone of mushrooms. That's what they call it. It's my favorite. And I start. So now I want to share with everybody a little bit about psychedelics and me. I had been doing mushrooms for about two decades at this point, and I loved doing them. I had crazy experiences, and I had no idea other people weren't having crazy experiences. I usually took psychedelics alone, and I would astral project on my body. I didn't know I was doing it. Like one of the first times I took mushrooms when I was 19, I remember walking by myself in the neighborhood. And all of a sudden I turned around and I realized my body had split in half, that my waist was behind me and the top part of my waist of my head was in front and I snapped back. And then the next second I astro projected the size of an ant on a log in the woods next to me. And then I popped right back into my body and I was like, that was cool and just kept moving on. So I would have mushroom trips and insane stuff like this would happen. And I just literally thought everybody had that happen when they took psychedelics. But by the time I was like, well, actually, right before the psych ward, I checked myself in the psych ward. I remember I had a trip where I took mushrooms. It was in Alpine Valley, Texas. And I laid down on this bed in the hotel I was at. I was with my then my boyfriend at the time. And I remember closing my eyes and my eyes went wi- eyes wide open. You know, have you heard that? Eyes wide open. Mm, I know I that, mean, that, that means your eyes are closed, but your eyes are open. You're, you're, you can't close your eyes because mm-hmm. you are now in the spirit world and you can't come. You are there for till you come back. Mm-hmm. And what happened was my eyes closed. I'm not moving. I'm on this bed. In fact, my boyfriend said I didn't move for four hours. He thought I was asleep, but I was wide awake. And a voice came to me. It was the first time a voice came to me and it was like, hi, like, um, what do you want to know? I'll tell you anything. And I was in the tunnels. There's tunnels. Everybody talks about this tunnels. This is spirit world. They look like Dr. Seuss. And I'm wandering the tunnels with this voice. And saying, ask me anything. I'll tell you whatever you want to know. So it was, that was the first time of what it was, was a spirit from the spirit world coming and talking to me. Mm -hmm. I didn't know I was a channel. I didn't know I was a medium. I never been doing this all along. Yep. Yeah. And how does that affect your mental health? 
et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, it feels great to do psychedelics. Guess what, guys? Long term, it might not go well. And then you're you're hearing from someone that did a lot of psychedelics and really got lost. And so it's all going to make sense as I complete the story. But I needed to tell I wanted to tell people that I was having a pretty out there experiences on psychedelics, unlike other people. But so I back to June 11th, 2020, tried killing myself, stay still alive, wrote a letter to God. You can use my vessel. You kept me alive, took huge heroic dose of mushrooms. And what happened was, is I the mushrooms brought me to a bat the bathtub in the room and filled it up. And this is girl, this is going to blow your mind. OK, I like this is going to blow your mind. Um, like seriously, like, okay. So I, I get in the bathtub, I'm running the bath and all of a sudden, like I'm, I'm entering the spirit world. I have a chapter in my book called baptism. This is what the spirit world told me to name this chapter. I'd never heard of the bathtub ritual. I didn't know celebrities were illuminated through a bathtub ritual. I didn't know the bathtub was an occult rebirth ritual. I didn't know what the Illuminati was at this point. I didn't know any of that. And I got illuminated. Mm. That night I opened that I'm not I went into the spirit world and 12 spirits appeared in front of me standing in a circle around me looking at me. They were wearing cloaks and I was like I was the bonfire and they looked at me and they go they start clapping. They we've waited thousands of lifetimes for this. This is it. This is the time you're going to heal yourself. You're going to be fully conscious in this lifetime. You're going to write this book. This is what this book's going to be about. Like I had this whole thing happen. They showed me who I was. I saw myself. I was like a goddess. It was crazy. Like they were these 12 spirits came and I'm girl. I saw them like, and I had had so many experiences like this that I wasn't freaked out. This was normal for me. Like Buddha would come and talk to me. Like I had last to protect me. My body I had all. So I'm just like, wow, I'm getting reborn. This is what I want. That's right. I'm going to heal myself. And thank you. I'm having a quantum awakening. All right. Yeah, I feel it. And so I came out of this experience. Re I thought reborn. Okay. And I had given my life to God. So I've been reborn, but I still don't know who Jesus was. Nothing about Jesus at this point. So I came out of that experience. And the next thing I did was it's 2020. Hardly anybody's hanging out. And I'm starting to wake up and shake up from things and question, really question reality. Cause you know, I've been questioning Trump. I'm now in the conspiracy world. Toe is dipping in it. And so I want to hang out with people and everybody. I live in Austin, Texas. Nobody's hanging out. So I go online this is all by design. I'm sure people right now are listening going, oh my gosh, I went through an awakening in 2022 and I went online too. And that's where I started going for my information. Excuse me. I just burped. (laughs) All by design. I had to say something. And maybe we need a little comic relief. So I went online and I start connecting with a group of people in town that had a church. It was called the Church of the Sacred Womb at the time. I like to call it the Sacred Wound. They've totally changed their name. So I feel comfortable saying it at this point. But I started connecting with them and doing moon moon Zoom ceremonies, which I had never done before. I never practiced magic purposefully before ever. I didn't believe in aliens. I didn't believe in past lives. Like when the spirit world said, we've been waiting lifetimes to wake you up. I was like, ah, that's something more that they're talking about. Like, I don't know, whatever. I, I, but I can tell they've been trying to wake me up for a while and they're happy I'm awake now. And so I start connecting with this group. We're doing Zoom moon ceremonies. I'm loving it. Um, I didn't even ever think about the moon cycles before. I didn't know what my astrological sign was before that. Oh, suddenly I found out I'm a 33. <gasps> I'm a spiritual life path number. Wow. Okay. This is crazy. And I'm having these experiences and I'm waking up and I tell the people in the zoom meeting what's going on with me. And they go, you're ascending. And I said, I'm what? 
They go, yeah, you're ascending. I was like, what? Into the 5D, Kara? What's the 5D? Okay. Is th- this is like when the psychiatrist was like, you're bipolar. And I was like, huh? Okay, sounds good. They're like, you're ascending. I was like, okay. And then they're like, do ayahuasca with us? And I was like, yeah, it's on the list. Might as well. So I signed up and I'm like nervous to do ayahuasca. It's August now, 2020. Oh, sorry, September. But I'm like, I'm going to do this. I need to do it because I need to heal. I've got so much trauma still. Endless trauma in the new age. They never, you never get healed. It's the biggest con. Anyways, so I go to ayahuasca. And of course, I have an insane experience where I, because, you know, this is, I knew it would happen. I, girl, I would, I hit DMT once and I was like, I'm going to just take a little bit because I know I'm, I don't really want to blast off. Well, I went all the way. I was like, I've had one of those DMT experiences where I went and talked to an entity, left my body completely and got another assignment from the enlightened ones. It's all in my book. Um, But I did ayahuasca and I wake up in the middle of my ayahuasca ceremony with my eyes open to the room and I see Kali Ma. I didn't know it was Kali Ma at the time. This happened when Ganesh came into my life 12 years prior, which I'll mention here in a second because I might as well drop why people shouldn't do yoga into this episode. (laughs) Here comes trouble. I'm not here to be liked, I realize. Like, (laughs) I just just wants me to come through like a bowling ball and knock everything fun down. But um, I saw Kali Ma, this big, huge blue face from the spirit world. And spirit world's energetic, guys. Don't let anybody tell you that there's these physical aliens here. The spirit, I've seen it over and over again. It's energy, okay? Kali Ma's face is right over me. Skulls clanking around her neck. Her tongue's out, red eyes. And she stared at me for like two minutes. What I believe happened is she strong, like kind of like strong held into me, which is a, you know, came came into my essence because I wasn't, I wasn't a believer. So I was recklessly open to the spirit world. And then after ayahuasca, it was like I came home from ayahuasca and I couldn't talk to anybody for a week. I couldn't use the phone. All I did was sit at my computer and write the longest chapter for my book about ayahuasca and how amazing it is for healing you and all this stuff. Channeled it. I channeled that chapter. It was like I was possessed practically. Like it was cra- and then I watched myself go crazier and crazier after that. I learned about MK Ultra. Um that trauma-based mind control. That was the next thing which Mind programming is, I would say, like my specialty, like understanding how it works and what's going on here. And and that comes from me getting really lost in so many different ways and then coming out of it. So it's fall 2020. I'm getting kind of like crazier into like suddenly believing that aliens could exist and that past lives might be real. And I'm practicing magic and um, I'm ascending and I'm, I'm starting to get obsessed with DNA activations People in this group that I'm hanging out with, this new age group, tell me, well, you're a seer. That's why you see spirits in the spirit world and they talk to you, Kara. That doesn't happen to everyone. You're what's called a seer. And I was like, I'm a what? And so I decided to start practicing magic and taking psychedelics with um, a girl that I met and became good friends with from this group. So um, we're hanging out with a couple of people. Okay, hold on. Should I talk about yoga? I said I was going to say something. I, about I that. just I've been making okay. tiny little notes of things I either okay. want to talk. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to yeah, come back it. to this crazy moment in just okay. a second where I'm yeah, practicing magic with this girl because it's a great story. And first, I want to mention that I was a hardcore yogi about ten years before all this happened. So right about when I got the bipolar diagnosis, I w- actually it was a couple years before. I was like hardcore five days a week Ashtanga yoga for years, and I did enough yoga to know that the entire practice of yoga is 
the whole hour of stretching is to is for shavasana. Mm-hmm. Shavasana is the final pose in yoga. It's called corpse pose where you lay on your back and you are totally open vessel. And um, what happens is yoga means to yoke. So it's a Hindi practice, a Hindu practice. I always mess that up. Hindi, Hindu practice. And if you ask anybody in that religion, they will say, yeah, this is a, this is a devotional practice to our gods. And it's funny because we've got a bunch of suburban white women like me that get our yoga pants on and go to our studios and exercise and do this whole thing. We don't even know that it's a religious practice. Okay. So what you're doing when you do sun salutations, you're worshiping the sun. When you do certain poses that are for Shiva, honoring Shiva, you're honoring the Hindi god Shiva. That um, you're The whole practice of these little mudras that you do in yoga, the chants that you say, the Sanskrit, these are honoring Hindi gods. And this is tied to occultism of yoking you to the Hindi gods. You are worshiping the Hindi gods. So if you're into the Hindi gods, great. If you're not, don't do it. I now believe the Hindi gods are the fall, some of the fallen angels, and that's going to trigger people. But um, this is something we'll talk about a little bit more at the end. This is my proof that yoga does yoke you to Hindi gods. At the time when I was doing yoga, um, it was when I first saw a spirit from the spirit world. So I'm doing mushrooms, and I'm with a friend that I did yoga with, and I'm staring at her, and all of a sudden, 10 eyeballs pop out around her head. And then all of a sudden, 100 eyeballs pop out of her, and her face turns into Ganesh. What happened was I didn't realize what I was doing. This is how dangerous psychedelics can be. It's pre- it's magic. I didn't, and I'm sensitive, so I did things easily. I pulled the spirit. I believe the spirit of Ganesh out of her, and he came out of her because the eyes are portals. And I don't want to talk about this a lot because I'm not here to like teach people how to practice magic or anything like that. I think it's wrong. I don't do this anymore. But what happened was is Ganesh came, and I believe he, since he was the first spirit I saw, he activated me as a seer. So why did I see Ganesh? because I was probably yoking myself to him, practicing yoga. Why else would I have seen Ganesh? I didn't even realize that that was Ganesh. I had to look at, I was like, I'm so dense. I had to look it up later. But looking back now, I'm like, oh my gosh, I know. Like, why else would I have pulled this spirit out of her? I didn't try to do it. It came out on its own because I really do believe I had been yoking myself to the Hindi gods and that mindset from yoga. So... Well, and I just want to say for anyone who's listening, because I've heard you talk about this before. I don't think you said this time that Ganesh is the elephant face. God. Yes. So that's yeah. how, that's kind of how you knew, like you didn't know who that was, but he appeared and then you looked him up later and it was, you were able to look up like elephant face. Yep, exactly. And, um, I started worshiping him after that, getting Ganesh statues. He would, he would come to me in the spirit world after that. When I would do psychedelics, that was he. I saw him on my DMT trip. I was worshiping, honoring him. He was now on my altar. You know, in 2020, when I started buying idol statues, he was on my altar. Um, yeah, and I had, but yeah, he has an elephant face. He's this hybrid avatar, and like, that's a whole other conversation. It's an egregore. It's an occult um, creation of an idol, um, and we manifest them by thinking about them and giving them power. But, anyways, so. Back to 2020, I decide I'm I'm met with this new age group. You know, I'm I've woken up. I've been enlightened by the spirit world, and I'm going to start practicing magic purposely with psychedelics because I was at a friend's house and I overheard them say that they were at Sedona and they saw a UFO, and then the next thing they heard was DNA activations, and it was like I heard, huh? DNA activations, aliens? 
I want DNA activations. I heard we're only using 10% of our DNA. And I've heard this is part of the ascension process. And I want to activate my psychic abilities to the fullest, obviously, because I was obsessed with it, right? So I, I was like, how did you do this? And he's like, well, you have to evoke them in. And he's right. Like, if you want the spirit world to come in, you have to evoke it in. So I heard myself say, well, I allow aliens in. And I had done this 10 years ago to ghosts, which I do believe are just disembodied spirits now, not our, spirits of our dead ancestors or anything. But I like literally worked and nannied in a house that was haunted with spirits. And it, it is in my book, the whole um, write up on this. But the important thing is, is I said at the time, like my boyfriend, the same one that broke up with me before I went to the psych ward said that if you want ghosts in your life, you have to allow them in. And I literally said, I allow ghosts into my life. And they came. You know what's you crazy? What? Well, I just want to say, like, when I was young, I was told if I don't want to see ghosts, I need to be very clear that I never, ever want to see ghosts. And I've been so clear my entire life. I've never seen anything. Oh, my girl. I've, I've been like, no. <laughs> I And I know. Yes, me like, too now. Yeah. <laughs> it's that? true. Mm-hmm. It's because that's how free will exists. That's why. So I I was like, I want aliens to come in. And so my friend, <laughs> I have to do that voice. So my friend and I on it's 10, 10, 2020, big day for occultists because mm-hmm. you're obsessed with numbers. You're obsessed with symbolism. You're obsessed with synchronicities when you're in the occult. And we're my friend and I were like, this is the day we're going to call in our alien star family. So she did what she did. She opened a circle that she was good at. She, I, I don't know how. To, I mean, I know how to open a circle. I never did it. Like, I don't do that. I just I I let her do it. And she opened a circle, called in the directions, called in the spirit guides. We put our intention in. We practiced our magic. We had our crystals. I had Moldavite. It was a really special crystal. I was like, this is the one that's going to do it. So we go outside. We take mushrooms. We have mushroom tea. Um, I'm in the backyard. And all of a sudden, I hear this cat call like, yeah. And I look at my friend and I go, do you hear that? And she starts to nod her head. And the next thing I knew, I left my body like in a way I've never astral projected. It was the craziest thing. It's like standing in my backyard and all of a sudden I completely left my body and I I'm and I'm in my mind now and I'm laying on what looks like a table and I look up and it looks like a, you like a spaceship, like, like space odyssey. And I'm like, what the heck am I being abducted by aliens? And I'm laying on the table and I can see behind me. So I'm out of my body and I see this giant gray brain and I, I'm just like, I was like, what the heck is going on? Oh, I forgot to say, right. As this, as I was astro projecting before I ended up on this ship, like vision, I saw this gray blob that was coming to me and I knew I had to become one with it. I can't believe I forgot to say that. That's really important. And it was too late to turn back. This is dangerous stuff, you guys. Okay. I, I, so I mind melded. That's what that was. And then I get this vision. I didn't actually go on a ship. I want to be really clear about that. People, I don't believe people get abducted. I don't believe in aliens. Honestly, I'm not even sure where I stand about UFOs. I know China has helicopters that they put a casing over that looks like a UFO. I don't know what's going on here, but I don't believe in aliens at all. I believe that's the spirit world, all of it. And it's probably demonic. So I melded with this spirit, astral projected, and the spirit world's told me many times, and we shouldn't trust what they say, but this that's nine truths and a lie usually, so you can often gleam a lot of good stuff from them, just like you know the Joe Rogan interview with Robert Kennedy, good stuff comes out of it. 
Um, but the spirit world told me you are going to see things how it makes most sense to you. So I was shown like I was on this spaceship mind melding because it made sense to me. But instantly, as I see this gray brain, I shoot back into my backyard and back into my body. And I look down at my arm and I see this energetic essence. I had become one with that spirit. And it was now talking to me in my head. And it was now monitoring and moving my body and taking control over me. I have been possessed before. Now, I do believe there's different levels of possession. As a medium, you become possessed. They speak through your mouth or they give you the ideas and they come through you. They get inside of you. A medium is literally like a, a vessel for the spirit world. And so I, I and I, but remember, I, I, I wasn't ner I wasn't worried. I wasn't scared. I wanted this. I was like, yeah. So I, I literally like had this insane experience. And this is in my book, all of it. But what happened after this is I didn't stop. I started doing this more times with this girl and I had lots of spirits come to me. This was the craziest moment when I asked her projected like that. That was the most insane, like, cause it was, I don't know. It was just wild. I never want to have any, I never want to have anything like that happen again. Um, but I just, I kept getting activated. And what happened was, is like, I was seeing like flashes of hieroglyphics in front of me. I was being re like getting keys. I was talking to a medium at the time and she was starting to facilitate between the spirit world and me. And, I was basically they were activating me like hardcore because I do believe that Satan wanted to use me. I would have been great at pushing the new age agenda. Like that was what my book was going to be, you know, about healing myself and saving myself. And this is exactly what I don't believe in now. So I continue on this quest for activations. Eventually, by winter 2021, I'm booking thousand dollar sessions with shamans to be walked into greater stages of enlightenment spring 2021 i start working as a psychic channeler because i was like oh i can do this like i'm confident and i can do this and i was it was very expensive and i was very busy and i was making tons of money and um i was good at it you know it was easy for me and so it's may 2021 i'm doing a channeling session with someone and the most unexpected visitor arises er, arrives jesus christ i get a vision of jesus christ in my psychic plane and my first thought is, are you kidding me? It's Jesus. Like, I'm so embarrassed. Like, this is unbelievable. Like, this is the ascended master here to talk to me. Because I didn't believe in Jesus. You know, what do you have to say, Jesus? Like, I don't want to tell my client, but I told her. And she was actually happy. She liked Jesus and she thought it was great. But you know what? Ever since that moment, everything started changing. It was almost like the essence of Jesus, this vision that I saw, was with me still for like, the next like couple weeks or whatever, like I almost like felt like this Jesus. I was like, what is this? And I started like crying and just like um, falling to my knees and being like, oh my gosh, Jesus was real. <gasps> Wait a second. Jesus was God in the flesh. Wait, whoa. He died for our sins. Wait, that, that happened. I can't even explain to people how this happened. I've never read the Bible. Like I said, I had hardly been to church. Nobody talked to me about God. I worked the steps when I was in AA, but I, I made the sun my higher power. I thought that God ex existed in the spirit world. And then I got close to him on psychedelics. And I thought that I was God in the flesh. And I believed in oneness and uh, you know, I had ultimate chances in this life. And I was doing all this stuff. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes in in this vision. I get so convicted that like I stop working as a channeler. Like, I can't do it anymore all of a sudden. I can't charge my crystals under the moon. I can't participate in moon ceremonies. I'm questioning everything that I believed in. Somebody passed Doreen Virtue's information on to me. She was a channeler as well. She created angel cards. 
She was saved by Jesus. She now rebukes all of this stuff. She had a post on her page that was like, you should throw out your Buddha statues like Buddha's an idol. And I was like, she's insane because I loved Buddha. I had a three foot Buddha statue. I had 10 idol statues by 2021 that I had been collecting of different false gods I see now. And I just like it was just like over summer 2021, I felt like I had already woken up to like the w- the lies in this world over 2020. I got off the pharmaceuticals. I fell deep into the occult. And now all of a sudden Jesus is here. I was like, how many times is my reality going to break? And so I know. And like, so then by fall 2021, I basically start reading the Bible. And I start um, attending a Bible study online. And because I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what, because I'll, girl, I just, I became a believer without reading the Bible. Like, I didn't know how the, like, all I have to say is that what is impossible with man is possible with God. I think about Daniel when God literally comes and writes on the wall or he flooded the earth or he created this place. Like he can do whatever he wants. He found me and he like literally sent the Holy Spirit to me and I became a believer in a supernatural way. And this is almost like two years later, I guess. And like, this is real. Like anybody who's been doubting me or anybody who hears someone's testimony and they're like, that's wild. I don't know. Give them some time take a look at their fruits. That's how you're going to know. But I became, so I became a believer. I start. I joined this Bible study by winter 2022. And because I didn't know what Bible to read. I, ESV, KJB. I'm not going to go to church. Definitely not going to church. Because I still, yeah, I, I always say that. Isn't that funny? That's I always so say funny. KJB. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's kind of funny because now I'm like kind of weird about the King James Bible, but that's a whole other conversation. It, anyway, um, but so I, I go online for my information about God and the Bible and stuff. I joined this Bible study. I'm brand new Christian. I, I like this is you just you don't know what to do. So I'm following this group online. I become I start this new podcast. It was called Not So Secret Societies. I have this co-host who claims to be like hardcore Christian. And we start this podcast and people start contacting her saying Kara's doesn't she seems really new age I know you like she's supposedly a Jesus follower but we don't trust her da, 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 da. so my co-host comes to me basically giving me an intervention saying because I was still smoking a lot of weed I would smoke weed on Saturdays and read the Bible on Instagram like on lives it's kind of funny like looking back now because I wouldn't do that anymore um and she's like hey so if we're gonna continue being like partners in this project like you got to basically clean up your act um you know online and you know I get I get it but you know it was who I was when she signed up for this project with me now all of a sudden I've got to change but I've been smoking weed for decades without any um (laughs) desire to stop and so I was like all right I'll quit and so I quit smoking weed that day and she's like we should probably come have you this is what she said come clean to our audience about who you are. Um, our po- The podcast was all about, uh, it was called Not So Secret Society. So it was all about exposing secret societies and conspiracy. I didn't know now, but it was literally like a, a QAnon podcast. Because I, I, I had missed the QAnon bullet. I, I didn't quite wake up when QAnon was hot. It was like when it was in a retirement. But I like to say that all of the conspiracies floating in the rabbit hole were, were basically from QAnon. Like the easy pickings were like Pizzagate and Epstein and and I'm not saying these things are all lies, but I do believe Q is a controlled opposition because I believe they're trying to control this awakening. So anyways, 
I was like, sure, I'll give my testimony on our podcast. So I, that's what you heard. Jesus mm-hmm. Christ saved my life. Mm-hmm. I gave my testimony. Um, and I had, you know, I'd been about a week clean from smoking weed. So I talked a lot about sobriety. Um, I was under the belief at that time that you had to earn your salvation, that you had to confess all your sins, that you had to do a deliverance form. And my, that my co-host had given me this deliverance form that was like 10 pages long where I had to write down every single sinful thing I'd ever done in my entire life, pray to God, ask God to loose it from me and bind up that spirit. Um, uh, it was like overwhelming. Like I just, I was like, okay, I, I gotta be good enough for God. This is what I have to do. So I did talk about some of that stuff in the testimony, but what happened was, is, is you, the testimony went viral. Like I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't, honestly, I wasn't ready to give my testimony. Mm-hmm. I, I had barely been a believer for six, eight months mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. had just quit smoking weed and, but I didn't, you know, I wanted, I felt forced. Honestly, I felt forced by my co-host um, because she was concerned about how she looked. So, but I know that God used this for so much good. Like you told me when we first started talking, it meant something to you, like the testimony. And I was getting literally about thousands of mes- messages from people thanking for giving my testimony all of a sudden. Like that's how my account went. started kind of going viral a little bit online. Like I started getting a following. I wasn't ready for any of this because at the same time, the Pharisees came after me. The online Pharisees started um, people were making story threads about me saying my testimony was fake. People um, were saying that I was a Mason, that I was part of the Illuminati, that I was a reptilian shapeshifter. People were literally making posts right. about me because right. this is you understand. This is what happens when you kind of get out there in the spotlight. You're going to have trolls coming after you. And the thing that I wasn't ready for was this about my faith. And it was so vulnerable. And I had these people just attacking me. And it was one of the hardest times of my life. Um, I was literally like making, I remember I made a video at one point, summer 2021, because people didn't stop. Like, because our the podcast Secret Societies went viral at the same time. Mm. It was crazy. Mm. We had like million downloads in like six months and like episodes that were getting like 40,000 really downloads. It was because it was, girl, it was like Us Magazine. It was like the National Enquirer. People, it was, people were eating it up. The celebrity gossip and QAnon conspiracies. And we were, you know, we were on the Apple charts. And actually, that was when I really started questioning things. I was like, wait, we're supposed to be the side that gets censored. Why are we on the on the Apple charts? And um, but anyways, I remember at this time, like people just attacking me. And I was like, I put like my suit on and I recorded a video and I was like, please stop making fun of me, everybody. Like this just needs to stop. Like I was just like doing lives. Like, can you guys stop? Like make like hundreds of people come on the lives and like the haters come in and are just talking shit about me. And I'm just like. It was, well, and the interesting thing is like a lot of these people are Christian, right? These were, yes. Thank you <laughs> right. for bringing that up. Right. All of these people were Christ- claimed to be Christians. Yeah. Right. That is right. very important. So I'm in this, like, I didn't even realize it, but I fell into the charismatic movement because that was the guidance I found when I went online for Christianity. And I didn't know there was a deliver like a charismatic movement. I didn't know about the Pentecostal. I didn't know there were differences in Christianity and I found out very quickly um, that there was a lot of division in Christianity and Christians were really mean and all of it. And so, but, but what happens is, okay, so kind of like this is going on my life. um, Fall 2022 comes around and I do a three-day fast. Actually did it with my co-host. We did it together. And um, I came out of that fast believing you couldn't lose your salvation. I had been taught by her because she's a biblical guidance um, 
counselor, she charges money for this. I just want to mention but anybody, you can get free biblical guidance from your church. Nobody should be paying somebody for that. Um, but, and I wasn't paying her, but she was my mentor. She was ha- asking me to confess my sins to her every week. She had given me that deliverance form. She told me at one point that I, that her mentor was telling her that I was bringing dark spirits around her because I was so deep in the occult. There's a chance I couldn't ge- come out of it. And it was affecting her life. Oh no. So I should probably look into my ancestral curses that I, and I said to her, I remember I was like, oh, I don't know my family history. And then my next thought is I'm never going to be saved. Cause I don't know what curse to ask God to break. Um, it was, so it was just like, I'm at this point in the fall 2022 where I'm like starting to really be like, I can, I'm never going to be good enough for Jesus. I'm like these online people are telling me everything I'm doing is wrong. Um, uh, my guidance counselor is telling me I need to confess my sins to her every week. Oh, you've got something wrong with you. You've got unconfessed sin. Oh, God's not answering your prayers. Oh, because you're not being obedient enough. Oh, you've got your anger problem. I was being guided to bind up the spirit of anger in me. And, at, and command Jesus to cast it out. Cover me in the blood of Christ. Put a thorn of protection around me. All this mumbo jumbo that I now see as white magic and it's all unbiblical. But I was so new as a Christian, I didn't realize it. And I was idolizing Christianity from the internet and getting all my information from online. And I became very lost. And so I did this three-day fast and I come out of it and God had convicted me that you couldn't lose your salvation and then I was already saved. And I told my co-host, I sent her an email and I was like, I thought of something crazy. Um, you know, I used to be suicidal and I used to, one of the reasons I would never, I'm glad I never killed myself is because I know I would have gone to hell if I had killed myself. But then I thought about it after our fast, if you're saved and you kill yourself, you still go to heaven. Like you're still going to go to new earth because once you're saved, you can't lose your salvation. So there's no sin that can make you lose your salvation. I started looking at like, what sin is the worst sin? Cause if Jeffrey Dahmer can be saved at the last minute after killing people, then if somebody kills themselves, then if they're already a believer, they're not going to go to hell. Like, and that I'm not telling anybody to, I do not suicide is not the answer. I am not saying that, but I'm just saying that I made the realization that it is that when you are not a Christian, you believe that if you, someone kills themselves because of the act of killing themselves, they go to hell. That's not true. You go to hell because you don't believe in Jesus. The only way to get to heaven is John 10, 9, walking through Jesus. It's as simple as that. It's there's This is not a workspace salvation. We are saved by faith, er, grace and faith in Jesus, not by what we do, not by our works. But I had been taught workspace salvation in my first year of being a Christian. And with workspace salvation, you can lose your salvation. If you're not good enough, you're not sin-free enough, you're not obedient enough, you're not whatever enough, you can lose. That's a lie. That is a lie. And I have episodes on my podcast that talk about this. Once saved, always saved. I have an interview with Jim Osmond about this. He's a pastor. I am not trying to teach anybody anything now, but I just want to tell you, I really don't believe you can lose your salvation. I don't see anywhere in the Bible that says that. So I wrote her a letter talking about this concept because I wanted to put all these Bible verses in and really make my point. And her response was, let's talk on the phone. So I called her up and she's like, instantly, she's like, I know way too much that proves that you can lose your salvation. There's tons of Bible verses that back it up, but I don't have time to send it to you, but we need to sever ties completely. I was like, what? Uh, can you tell me those Bible verses? No. So basically like what happened was, is I, I started thinking for myself. I started questioning what 
this group that I was connected with was teaching me. And suddenly I realized I wasn't seeing things the same. And so the pot, we had to end the podcast. I'm not going to go into any of the dirty details around it, but I will, I think it's pretty obvious to people. People have wondered things have not end well between me and that person. And I do wish her the best. I do. I really wish her the best, but I believe that we need to be very careful when we go online and we assume that somebody knows what they're talking about because they've been a Christian their whole life. You, you need to know what kind of Christianity are they teaching? What are their beliefs? And what happened was is I started reading the Bible for myself. Like I had been reading it the last year, but I was going to her, this Bible study that she hosted twice a week. When I said that I didn't believe you could lose your salvation anymore, and she said she wanted to sever ties, I, conveniently, the Bible study changed their link. Conveniently, the Bible study removed me from the prayer list that I used to get automatically every week. Conveniently, I got unfollowed by this person. Conveniently, I just got cut out. Like it was, and so it was crazy. And like at that time in my life, like everything started falling apart. That project, Secret Society, was my job, my full time job. Um, and it, I had to end it. So I lost my income basically, like in a couple of weeks, my heart my income. I lost my best friend. She was my best friend. She was my mentor. I had been getting my biblical guidance from her. I realized I lost that. And I, and I realized that I had all these lies now in my head, which are the true strongholds. They're lies in the mind. That's how the demonic spirit world works is through the mind. This is stuff I've discovered since. Um, and then at that time, my 14 year old dog, Laika was getting really sick and dying. I had to put her down. It absolutely broke my heart. I don't have kids. I have dogs and cats. And it was like losing my daughter. And then I had issues in my relationship with my boyfriend. We've been together 10 years. And I know God's, you know, he's working in my life because he's refining everything. But he moved out. Um, and then so I lost my job, lost my best friend, lost my podcast that was like super successful. Um, my faith had been shooken and lost my dog. I hit the lowest point literally in my life. Lower than when I checked myself in the psych ward. And what did I do? I went to God. I didn't take a pill. I didn't check myself in the psych ward. I didn't do psychedelics. I didn't do anything like that. I would pray to God. I was so low when all of this was happening. I didn't wake up in the morning and I was just like, oh my God, God, I can't do another day. Like, I can't do this. I don't want to be alive. Like, I don't know how to get through this or move forward. And I would just pray or I would call friends. I had some good Christian friends, real friends that had been questioning my odd beliefs from the year before the whole time questioning that guidance counselor who was misleading me. And we, I would call them and we would pray together and I would read the Bible. I would just get through like today's troubles are sufficient enough. When did one minute of worrying ever change your life or make your life longer? Like I would just go, God, you said that you would carry this anxiety for me. Here it is. Jesus, you said your yoke was light. Like, can I feel it right now? Cause I need it. And Caroline, God brought me through that. He used this dark time in my life to bring me so close to him, to strengthen my faith, to refine me, because it's been tough. Being 40 years old and giving my life to Christ is the hardest thing I've ever done. It's not a fun walk, folks, and it never will be, because we are going to be refined until we leave this world, and it's not going to be easy. What's easy is taking Klonopin when you're having an anxiety attack and then the next day taking a bunch of psychedelics because you want to have fun and then the next day going to a concert and then going and buying a bunch of money on something and then you die but what's not fun is taking accountability for your emotions talking to God praying to God asking you will you shall receive seeking you shall find 
um, you know, when it came, you know, I had been misguided about, you know, I've been told bind up my anger to deal with my anger problems and cast the spirit of anger out. There is no spirit of anger. Binding up an emotion or binding up spirits is white witchcraft. That's a deliverance tactic. It's called witchcraft, you guys. This I I know what the occult looks like and I see it in Christianity and it's very obvious in the Pentecostal movement. And so what I started doing at this time was reading scripture and looking at what God said on how to handle things. So when it, I like to talk about my anger problem, instead of binding up the spirit of anger, I would look at the Bible and say, what does God say? He tells me that a wise man is um, a wise man overlooks offenses and that a fool rushes to anger. These simple verses from the Bible changed my anger problem because I would get angry and I would say, I would hear in my head, a fool rushes to anger. I'm like, I don't want to be a fool. God tells me that a wise man overlooks offenses. And I started doing these things. And I started changing. When I'd have the anxiety, I would give it to God. I would pray. Um, that Bible that you know, my old co-host who had been guiding me would tell me things like, don't go to church. Um, you're going to get misled. They're, they're going to program you. I talked about going to other what? Bible studies. I'm not, these are things that I've wanted to say oh for so my long. Gosh, that's so was, culty. And I was even going to go to another Bible study. She's like, don't do that. Don't go to that Bible study. They'll mislead you. And the whole time she was misleading me. I, I can't even tell you the amount of lies that I was taught through that Bible study that I now have had to like read in the Bible to learn the, what God actually says about these things. And there's so many, and I believe actually my next book is going to be about what it's like to be a brand new Christian and what to look out for, because I have this crazy story. Guess what though? I now go found a church in town that I love and I am having my mind blown going to church and it's a rock church like yours. It's the kind of church I never thought I would be I know, at. It's everything that I was told to avoid my first year in Christianity. And I go there and I cry during the sermons. Every time everybody I introduce myself to, I start crying. I feel I'm a Jesus follower. Yeah, I'm a Christian too, but I'm a Jesus follower and I'm a Bible believer. And uh, yeah, and that that's so that's my story. It's an amazing story. It really, really is. I I made I made notes. Wait, what did I just want to say? Do you believe in uh like are you a cessationist? Or do you I, believe- so I'm close to that, but I wouldn't call myself a cessationist because I'm open to certain gifts of the spirit still mm-hmm. being here now because I believe that God can do anything and he can work any miracle. So I agree. I'm, I'm not, I, I don't like it. People say, let me speak tongues or I speak tongues. Cause I'm like, Oh, I saw a lot of people speak what's called light language in the new age where they were channeling spirits through their mouth. And I also had spirits talk through my mouth as a medium. It looks exactly like light or um like speaking in tongues. But so mm-hmm. I'm concerned about that, but I also believe that God can have people speak in tongues if that's what's necessary. But we also need to look into what does tongues mean? Tongues was a legible or it was a language at the time, probably like someone like uh, say Paul needs to speak to a bunch of people who speak French and he speaks, he speaks Italian. Suddenly he can speak French. That's yes, speaking that's tongues. what I, that I agree. It has I to agree. be. I also think there maybe can be like some kind of language that someone can translate or they mm-hmm. understand it. Or maybe in your prayer time to God, you're speaking to, I, I'm not going to mm-hmm. tell anybody else. I'm not here to say what is or what is it, but I'm absolutely open to the gifts of the spirit being, yes. here. but I, but I'm very close to a sensationalist because I don't want it in the church. And I think there, I think it's abused and like sen- sensationalized in those like fake deliverance ministries. I have a girl in my, community group. That's like what I'm hosting tonight. 
And she said, it's really crazy because my mom said that before she had kids, when she was her most, like most devoted to God and most like prayed so much, read the Bible so much, she would speak in tongues, but I think it was just by herself. Yeah. I have a friend whose dad was a pastor for 30 years. Her mom's read the Bible 35 times. She's one of my best friends. They were a huge part in helping me get out of the deceiving lies that I fell into Christianity. And her mom prays in tongues privately. Mm-hmm. So I'm not here to tell somebody what their private experience mm-hmm. with God is. Mm-hmm. I just don't think God works like that. I think he can do whatever he wants. I mean, mm-hmm. I literally got a vision of Jesus that was the starting point to me becoming of a believer. So how could I not believe? In these right. Things? And you, I feel like the last time we spoke when I was on your podcast, you said, well, I don't really think that was real Jesus. And I was like, I do. What yeah, do you think I- now? I think that that why I think that the way the spirit world works in our psychic plane um, is kind of like the imagination. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that things can conjure up in ways so that it evokes a message. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that was actually Jesus, like Jesus. But I think God allowed this vision in my mind that I would go, that's Jesus. And, yes. and it would just change my life. Yes. yes that makes sense. Yeah. Like I, I, do I just, yeah. I never want to be like, I had Jesus come to me and I'm a female prophet and not right, a, right, right, nothing right, like right, that. Right, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. No, no, no. That, that resonates with me that that was totally of God because, oh yeah, I think you're, you're look at me now. Action, exactly, exactly. I mean, I am not exactly. the same person I was exactly. before at all. Like exactly. it, this is real. You guys, this is real. God is real. Jesus is real. The Holy Spirit is real. It is all one of the same. And I'm not here to say, oh, Kara said this, believe it. I'm just here to share my firsthand account. And if you want God in your life, pray for it. Ask and thou shall receive. Amen. (laughs) Okay. I, we don't have that much time before I have to go, but I want you to, if you can, to talk about what you call symbolism syndrome. (laughs) I'd love to. Okay. Um, The celebrities aren't doing the one eye on purpose in their photo shoots because they want to brag about being the Illuminati to you. The photographer's telling them to do that. They probably don't even know what it means. Earlier in this conversation, I was doing this and I was like, oh, good thing I'm not not sharing the video. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I saw how you posted your sister's one eye tattoo. Oh, yeah. My mom was like, I I loved it. I love it. That's exactly it. So basically like, I started symbol. I started seeing that the more people look at symbolism and conspiracy, it starts programming your mind. And I went deep and looked at these, like a lot of people like William Cooper, Shelby Downard, all these people that were big conspiracy names that they went crazy. A lot of them ended up killing themselves. What was going on? I started going crazy and all sorts of different ways. I had the mental health problems. I had the occult problems. Um, but then all of a sudden the conspiracy problems started taking over and I, like I said, I thought everything was demonic and I was obsessed with symbolism. I couldn't like life anymore. I hate, it was like, I couldn't look at anything and not decode it. Symbolism syndrome. And then when secret societies was going on, when I was getting all of these like threads made about me and people saying, sending me messages saying that I was a Mason, I was a member of the Illuminati. They also were sending me messages saying I was trans, that I was actually a man. And this is the thing that I like, yes. And there are androgynes out there. Androgyne is somebody who, when they are young, start taking hormones to change their gender. And you probably, it's very hard to tell they are. But I'm not into this topic. I don't, this isn't the area I want to go into where I go, Paris Hilton's actually a man or 
They're wearing pink and like they're this is symbolism syndrome. She's got pink and blue in this picture. So that means it's a trans like this is the symbolism that, that, that like my old co-host would share in her stories and talk about. And it's you can't make first it's ugly to make a claim about somebody's um, gender or whatever. And, and I was I was getting real ugly on the podcast. I'd be like, big Mike, uh, Michelle Obama's big Mike. Or I'd be like Jennifer Maniston. I have to repent for that and say, I'm sorry to these people for slandering them. Maybe they are. Maybe they aren't. It's none of my business. What happened was is I started getting messages where people would say, you're a man, Kara. I know that you're trans because my podcast photos, um, I was wearing a pink suit and I had a blue background. They'd go, I figured you out, Kara, or you look very manly. I mean, it was crazy. Like, right. So you can how- see you can that that's a big to wake me. up call. That's a it's big our- wake up call to be like, whoa. And- they're throwing you my could... name into Dermatria finders. They're big. The people were literally going into my pages and going, she's got a one eye on the back of her thing or, or her curtains make an X. She's a Mason. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is symbolism syndrome. And I literally told my old co-host that before things ended, I was like, we've created symbolism syndrome. I wanted to be like, you've really created symbolism syndrome because you roped me in and you've been doing this for years and you know better. But I was responsible too, because I was side by side doing this podcast and then the podcast ended and I had to rename the page. Uh, I couldn't keep the name. She didn't want me to. Um, and so I was like, I'm going to name it symbolism syndrome because it sounds good. And it's exactly what's going on. And I so what am I going to do with this page? Because I'm realizing that they want you. I got in the, we got in the podcast charts because we were doing exactly what the New World Order wants pushing the certain conspiracies that are going to program people's minds and make them go crazy and that they're going to use to and make it look crazy too. I think it, I think it serves, I think it serves the agenda for the people who are pointing out the agenda to go too far and sound (laughs) insane because then they write themselves off and everyone's able to write them off. Yep. There's a deeper and with our people's pride, I was so prideful when that episode was going viral. I was loving it. I thought I was doing something right, working for God, but I was toting a false Christianity online. I had to go through and edit my testimony. It was two hours long. I edited it down to an hour, took all the deliverance crap out of it, took all of the Pentecostal beliefs out of that. And so, yeah, we were pushing the false Christianity movement and we were pushing what you just said about conspiracy where it looks crazy and it's there's a programming behind it at all. And pride cometh before the fall. And people are very prideful sharing this stuff. Look what I discovered. Look what I figured out. And so I still, I was like, what do I do with this account? It had like 50,000 followers at the time. I was like, you know, I should do something with it. But people are here for symbolism. So I turned into symbolism syndrome and I use it now. I'm just trying to use the page. I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm praying about it a lot. Like, should I still be sharing conspiracy stuff? Should I still, I make silly little reels where I talk about stuff conspiracy stuff and i'm sure i look crazy on some of it and i may stop doing it and delete it all one day i think about it all the time but right now i feel like i'm still making that content and i'm trying to put a sane spin on it Mm -hmm. i think that's good i think that that's necessary i think you know i think the truth lies somewhere in the middle often i really do because you've seen how searching for the truth makes people paranoid and see things that aren't even there. Exactly. You've seen it. You've experienced it when they start to turn on you and like, just see things that they want to see and like see patterns that aren't even there, you know? Yep. Yeah. So I remain so 
I know something's deeply wrong. I know there are agendas. I know how corrupt things are. I know, I know that there are, that there is spiritual warfare going on. And I know that the world is not as it seems, but to what extent and what is actually true, I don't know. And I feel saner going, you know what? I I don't know. Exactly. And, and yeah, we don't really know. And so I have a bad habit of speaking with absolute authority and I'm trying to get better about that because I, I, I know how I am. I'm pretty intense. You know, I'm an intense person and you know, it, it works for some people, some people, you know, unfollow and move on or whatever. That's okay. I'm not your, uh, I'm not for you. So I am just sharing my thoughts on things. I'm not trying to say anymore that I know for certain that these things are, this is how things are. There's one person out there that knows how things are and that's God. And he knows and I'm humbled to him. I really know nothing. I'm just a sinner who got so many things wrong. Like that was one thing that bothered me when my testimony first came out because I made it a lot about sobriety. And in fact, I even asked my old co-host to write the opening for my book. And all she wrote about was Kara finally got it when she gave up weed and got sober. And it was all about workspace stuff. It wasn't my testimony is this. Um, Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. But I used to think he was a fictitious person. Yeah, that Jesus. I thought Jesus was fake, and now I'm like, no, that was God, and that it's it's that's what matters, not conspiracy, um, not uh, being popular, not money, success, worldly things. And so, I just hope that I'm like a fisherman, a fisherwoman, <laughs> where I'm putting bait out there my little reels, my conspiracy posts. Mm-hmm. And what I really hope is that people come to me and hear my testimony and then they can go, maybe it will plant some seeds. Cause I know, like you said, you weren't going to listen to my testimony. I love that. A lot of people said that we, I went right because, past that Jesus Christ. Episode. I had an aversion to anything that talked about Jesus. Yeah, I got it. I would have too. I would have, I would have ran the other way from me. Right. I that mean, girl, is people, that Jesus freak? No, I know. And people are now running the other way from me. And I've stopped caring because I can't. I can't. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, I, I know. I can't control anything anymore. I just, I can't. Stay silent and know I am God. That's a great line. Not not me. I am is God. Um, Give it to God. Like he'll fight our battles and he knows what's best. And yeah, God wins. I love it. Thank you so much. Will you tell everyone where they can find you until you delete all of your accounts? Yeah, you really you can go to caramoger.com. It's probably the one-stop shop for everything. I've got the Let's Be Friends podcast, um, which I host. It's on all major platforms. I also have a membership if you want bonus content from me or to support me um, and what I'm doing. That is awesome. Uh, I'm also Here Comes Trouble with a little XO on the end. I couldn't get Here Comes Trouble. Here Comes Trouble. If you're here, I'm trying to get a hold of you for that name. Um, (laughs) So you can find me. I'm Symbolism Syndrome as well online if you want to see how I'm decoding the occult. I'm all over the place. Yeah, I do. I will will link to the ones that I can remember. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'll link to... Is that your dog? That paw oh, yeah. that just came so oh, cute. Yeah. Your dog's paw just like comes up in the corner. I know. Molly, like, you're so cute. Come oh, look. Molly's Come, so your little cute. cute, cute little head oh, up. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. Molly is so funny. She's not going to move. All right. That is where I'm going to end the conversation for today. I hope you enjoyed Kara's story. If you want to follow her, I've linked to her website and her Instagram pages um, in the show notes. And hopefully you can find her and connect with her if you um, 
want to give her feedback about her story, I would also love any feedback about this episode. Um, and I will be back hopefully sooner rather than later. But if you have been actively following this podcast feed, you know that I am very haphazard with when I release episodes. So that's just the way it is right now. And uh, maybe you can hear the rain. It just started storming, but maybe you can't. I never know what you can hear while I'm recording. Okay. All right. Talk to you later, guys. Bye.